As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Well, you just stare that big sucker right back in the eye, and you remember what old Jack Burton always says at a time like that. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir, the check is in the mail. Shall we play a game? Say hello to my little friend! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hey there everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Home Class Movie Chat and yes, unfortunately, again, we are going to be going over to the Horror Crypt podcast that I run every week. The only reason that I'm doing this at the moment is because Kat is so very busy with regards to work and we both like to do the podcast together. We both like to talk backwards and forwards you know, about the movies that we watch. So it's sort of like, it's unfair that you guys miss out on a podcast this week because unfortunately Kat is still extremely busy with work and you know I could sit here and talk to you about the movie that I've seen well this week I'm going to be sending you over to the Horror Crypt podcast which once again I run um, and the one that I'm actually doing this week which you're going to get way ahead of my um, audience is The Devil's Rejects. Now one of the reasons that I absolutely love The Devil's Rejects um, Rob Zombie started off with one of the movies which was A House of a Thousand Corpses and it was awesome really liked it but this one sort of solidifies the the storyline of the Firefly family and if you've never seen this movie I certainly implore you if you want to go and watch it you will not be disappointed the soundtrack is absolutely amazing and I do touch on that in the podcast the, the soundtrack is really great with regards to this movie it's, it's a lot of the old 70s music and that's something that you don't appreciate as you know when you were younger you don't appreciate the the Ullman brothers or you don't appreciate you know the the you know the Midnight Rider sort of you know that song the Midnight Rider you know you don't really appreciate the sort of 70s music that they had back then and, and it really is absolutely amazing you know pieces of music and that's what Rob tends to really get involved with with regards to his movies he likes to delve really deep into music and really puts it so the the movie actually feels with the, with the music really makes you really feel like you're in the 70s and this is where this movie is really situated is dead set straight into the 70s so when you're listening to when you're watching this movie and listening to the to the um, music that accompanies it you're sitting there going yeah this is this really is solidifying what it really should be Rob, you know, he, I, I do like his, his movies, I like the way he tells the stories, graphically violent, you know, I always love those graphically violent movies, but um, he does unfortunately trip over a couple of times, certainly with the third installment of this movie, which is um, Three from Hell, I am going to do that on the Horror Crypt podcast, I won't be doing it here, possibly, but uh, you know, that one was definitely a trip over, and the, he should have just left it at this one, which is a house of uh, sorry, which is this one, The Devil's Rejects. So, look, before I get started, um, remember you can reach out, out to us, both Kat and myself, at hello at home class movie chat. But until next week, which we will have Kat back on board, we're going to go over to the Horror Crypt podcast for my episode, which is The Devil's Rejects. Enjoy. <laughs> Hey there everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Horror Crypt Podcast, episode number 102. And today I am doing a movie that I absolutely thoroughly enjoy watching. And it's such a shame that this um, series of movies 
the final one took a nosedive into the ground and it really goes to show that sometimes leaving well enough alone is well enough alone you know you don't want to go too far as a movie maker or as a director or as a you know, storyteller you just want to go okay number one was great number two was awesome just leave it at that because it finished off the the whole series quite well but uh, unfortunately this director went a little bit too far and you know nosedive the one into the ground what movie am i talking about today i'm talking about the devil's rejects and that's the one i'm going to be doing today and the reason that i say that you know rob zombie should have left well enough alone is because number three um three from hell was really it was just bad and i understand that sid haig who plays captain spaulding i know that he passed away and that is not his you know not his fault obviously but in all honesty you know the way they ended the end of this movie in you know, in the devil's rejects they didn't need to go any further it was signed sealed delivered done it was in a nice tight bow it had finished it had completed the firefly family so just you know leave it leave it at that you know don't go any further and rob could have just you know ended this you know um series of movies as far as the house of a thousand corpses and the devil's rejects at a really great crescendo it was at the top of its game perfect it was a great story it was a great arc to the characters just leave it at that but unfortunately he decided you know what i am just going to go with one more i reckon i can pull it out of the bag well i'm sorry but the realism of number three was so far left of center it wasn't funny so much so that i even sat there <laughs> you know, and i'm not one of these people that will sit there and go wow that's that's not very believable but i sat there watching number three going you've got to be kidding me you know the way they ended that movie and the way they integrated in, you know, made the movie in such a way that you sat there and went, hang on a minute, that you, you know, you're introducing other characters, and that's fine, that that's okay, you can introduce characters, but I'm sorry, you know, there's part of that movie, um, Three from Hell, that you sit there and you shake your head and go, no, that doesn't sound, that doesn't seem right at all, that's just, that's just weird, and it's not possible either, but you know, unfortunately, there are some directors that just sit there and go, you know what, I'm just going to go with one more. I reckon I can recapture lightning in the bottle. And unfortunately, that is where they usually nosedive the movie into the ground. And Rob, you nosedived, unfortunately, the uh, series into the ground with Three from Hell. But this is that's not the one we're talking about today. We are talking about the awesome Devil's Rejects. And I just want to read to you some of the um, musical scores of this movie. And unfortunately, I can't play any of it because of copyright um, infringement. I would get my ass kicked if I did do that. But the music in this movie is outstanding from James Gang, um, Terry Reed, Kitty Wells. You've also got Three Dogs Night. You've also got David Essex. You've got the Allman Brothers with Midnight Rider. Absolutely amazing soundtrack. You've also got uh, Joe Walsh, which is fantastic. But one of the best parts of the movie, uh, is, in my personal opinion, is the last part of the movie, which is you've got the the song Free Bird by Leonard Skinner. And I'm telling you, it is outstanding the amount of great music that Rob happens to come across and, and you know put into his movies. And I that's one thing I really do like about Rob Zombie's movies, is he puts a lot of great 70s music into his movies, and it really draws out the, the movie. And it really... Um, it drags you further and further into the movie. You know, I think the soundtrack of a movie should really complement the, mo the movie. And uh, Rob seems to be able to capture that one every single time. So, you know, my hat off to... Uh, definitely my hat's off to Rob Zombie to be able to do that one. Look, before we get started on this podcast, remember I'm on social platform 
Instagram at Horror Crypt Podcast and Facebook at Horror Crypt Podcast. And we've also got the Horror Crypt Cafe. Um, so you can certainly come there, join that group, and, you know, we have a great time there. So, you know, get involved with that one. I've also got hats, and I've got t-shirts, and I've also got beanies, if you are looking to buy any of those. Very reasonable prices. If you want to get in contact with me, just uh, email me, horrorcrypt2022 at gmail.com, and I can set you up with a great amount of apparel. And as I said, I'm not pushing you to buy anything. I'm certainly not going to go down the Patreon path. I don't believe that anyone who does this, you know, as something to is enjoyable needs to be paid for it. So everything that I'm doing here is purely off my own back. And the fact is that you guys keep coming back week after week listening to my podcasts, which I'm thoroughly, thoroughly grateful for and i'm very humbled that you guys keep coming back and you enjoy my podcast to keep visiting it visiting it week after week in saying that and everything else that i've said before before we get started on any podcast we love to listen to the trailer there's not very much to this trailer it's more visual but it'll give you an idea of sort of like what's going on but i've got some great sound bites throughout this uh, podcast so stay tuned for those ones but here's the trailer to the devil's rejects Police have uncovered reads like this. Words can't describe it. Are we here? We are playing on a level that most will never see. You're gonna start the killing. You best start it right here. So there's two great openings of this movie. The very first part of this movie, we see the film opens in May 1978 with newspaper clippings around missing people and a summary of how they were found, where police officials had raided the Firefly house and found body parts in the refrigerator as well as furniture made out of human limbs. And it's really interesting because it's almost like, you know, um, that other serial killer that was... um, around Texas, I think, Ed Gein. Uh, If I was not in Texas, I apologize to all my Texas listeners, but uh, I I can't remember where the hell he was from, but it very much sounds like uh, Ed Gein because he'd made furniture out of, you know, skin and things like that. And and so it's very much like that, but I love how they also find that they found evidence of corpses in the basement and to put the the Firefly body count at around 75 people, maybe more, of, of who they've killed. So the opening monologue we actually get to see is we get to see the flashes of newspaper clippings plus an overlap of monologue with regards to what they actually found. Authorities in Rugsville County led a search and destroy mission on a decaying farmhouse. 
Inside the house, police discovered a collection of diaries and scrapbooks detailing the accounts of more than 75 murders. The family responsible for these brutal crimes was forever to be known as the Devil's Rejects. So with such a strong start, you think, well, that's actually not a bad start. It gives you a bit of an overview of what's going on with the movie. Could it get actually get better from here? Well, yeah, Rob's actually filmed this in such a way that it really does get a lot better from here. So on an early morning, we're watching this uh, young woman being dragged through the uh, through the forest or through some under undergrowth. Um, it's a mutilated female's body, and she is completely naked, of course, and she's being dragged by Tiny, and he's being he's dragging her through the woods. So I don't know whether you know. Um, maybe Otis killed her, or whether she, whether he killed her, we're not sure. But as he's as he's um, you know dragging this naked woman who's now dead through the the undergrowth, we see a number of police vehicles making their their way down to the house um, where Tiny lives, this decaying farmhouse, which is obviously as we know their Firefly Farm, and uh, so Tiny lifts up his burlap sack, because he's got his um, this sack covering his burnt face, and if we remember in the original one, House of a Thousand Corpses, he actually had um, a mask on, like a hockey mask, well now he's actually you know, moved to a burlap sack, but he has, as he's walking towards the house, he sees the cop, so he pulls up the, the, the mask, and of course we can see his burnt face, and he's watching as all the swarm of police as they're approaching the house. And, of course, Tiny remains unseen in the forest. He's looking from a distance. So I was like, I'm not going to go any further than this, but something's something's really going to happen here. And obviously, you know, you wouldn't go any further because, hey, you're dragging a mutilated female's naked body behind you. So, hey, and I must admit that this this um, actress that actually is being dragged along, I mean, I, I'd hope to God that she's got something on her back to help her because I don't know how many takes that Rob would have actually, you know, did to make this happen because yeah it, it seems like a lot of work to go through to you know as an actress to be laying there butt naked you're know, being dragged through the undergrowth of some some forest so the police arrive and park out the front of the Whitehall uh sorry at the front of the Firefly house and it's being led by uh Sheriff John Whitehall and of course, as we remember, he's the brother of Lieutenant George Wydell, who was killed by the Firefly family in House of a Thousand Corpses. He was the one that was talking to Mother Firefly, and unfortunately got the uh, gun, uh, she actually shot him through the neck. So, hey, so this is nice payback for, for Wydell. And of course, the, the officers start to strap on bulletproof vests and get their guns ready to, to basically take out the family. And Officer Ray Dobson, which is um, the sidekick to Wydell, he actually asks Sheriff Wydell, if he thinks they're going to die today and of course i love the 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 comeback to that one but so we'll listen to as they're approaching the house as we'll see um what's going on of the lead up to what actually happens and i'll give you a bit of a detailed idea of of or an idea and it's what actually is happening
stops him. It's time for us to do what the good Lord would refer to as a cleansing of the wicked. And what my brother George, God rest his soul, used to call a 100% Alabama ass kicking. So you think we're going to die here today? Dying's not an option. Now you stick that back in that gray matter of yours and you make that stick. Because any other thought's going to get you cold, slab, toe-tagged, and mailed home to your mama in a plastic bag. Are we crystal? Crystal, sir. Gentlemen, let's do what God made us to do. This is Sheriff John Quincy Wydell. The Roosevelt County Sheriff's Department. It's completely surrounded. You have no chance of escape. Now would be the time to vacate the premises peacefully. There's a million fucking cops. Come on. can hear there's the absolutely shit is going down in this house but as we see as we're going through and the police are arriving at the firefly farm we see that there's you know otis he's asleep upstairs next to a, a naked female corpse and baby's as fa baby's fast asleep in her room mother firefly is asleep in her bedroom so it's all good but of course as soon as they hear wydell saying that they're completely surrounded they jump up and you know they run downstairs and this is where they start to get into the full metal body armor it's almost like they're they're, they're already prepared for this you know whole thing that was going to happen and uh so they're you know they're getting all all ready to to basically f you know fend off the police but there's no no chance in hell you've got these guys have got you know bulletproof vests you've got homemade friggin uh metal armor so <laughs> it's it's all gonna it's all going down so as they're firing away and, and you know the firefly family are firing back um and of course Wydell also throws um a or gets one of the guys to throw um some tear gas into the house so really there's really no escape with with this situation so it really becomes to the point now where Rufus says to both Baby and to Otis, get the hell out of here. And so as they, they go to run away from the situation, go downstairs into the basement, we see the police come through the front door after the tear gas has gone through the, the front door and they start having a firefight with Otis and the police. Unfortunately, Otis is killed um, with this is all going on. And this is when Mother Firefly runs over to Otis because, you know, her, her son has now been killed. And, you know, she sees that her son's now dead. 
dead and of course he she you know the police come up against you know mother firefly and mother firefly points the gun at her head and says you'll never get me and pulls the trigger and of course the gun is now out of bullets and it's now you know sheriff Wydell sits there and goes well looks like it's not going to be that easy and of course as the opening credits roll and this is why i love this fucking movie because the opening scene of this movie now transitions into the song Midnight Rider by the Ullman Brothers. And, you know, you can see the, you know, both a Baby and Otis run downstairs into the basement. And we see that they have got an amazing amount of people captured in, like, little you know, cages. And they, so they're trying to break through to go into the sewers. Because uh, there's a tunnel that leads from their house into the sewers as almost like an escape route. And it's a it's a brilliant idea but you know this is where the police come down and find after they've escaped they've actually find all these people all these uh, these young women that have been captured and put in these cages so god knows what the what was going to happen with with uh, this this whole plethora of people being down in the basement of course as we now see both baby and otis are running through the through the the sewer they're now out into an open field and they're running guns in hand they're trying to run away from the situation so otis decides to make baby lay down on on the road well when i say road it's basically a, a dirt track and i don't know whether she plays dead or she plays injured whatever but you know we see a lovely lady and you know they say it was a nurse but it's actually a lady that works in a diner because she's got her name tag on and she's just, you know, she looks like she's had one hell of a long shift. And she sees Baby laying in the in the road. So what do you do? Now, this is also over the fact that you don't get to hear any, you know, talking or whatever. You just hear this awesome Midnight Rider music going over the top of the credits. So we see that she goes over to Baby to assist her. And then, of course, Otis runs up behind her and slams the a knife into her back, killing her. And they steal the car and drive away. So it's like, okay <laughs> all right that, that's the way and of course as we see them drive away that transitions back to the house where we also see that um the you know sheriff and all the other police officers are going through scrapbooks and things like that and they're finding body parts and bodies all over the place and as they're going through one of the officers notices that captain spaulding is in a lot of the pictures with various dead people and smiling while showing off his bloody hands and of course wydell recognizes spaulding and orders the police to go and find him now that then transitions to <laughs> captain spaulding's um trailer and he's in the middle of having very rough sex with a prostitute because and of course as as they're done, Spalding calls her a whore. And, of course, she says, you know, you call me a fucking whore. And he goes, I call them as, as I see them. And, of course, she then draws a gun on him and says, you know, hey, you know, well, who's joking now, clown? And he's like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. You know, it's just, I'm just a clown. I like to make jokes, whatever. And this is when she says, you know, you tell me a joke. And, of course, as she goes to, as he goes to, you know, say absolutely nothing, she pulls the trigger and you think, oh, holy shit, Captain Spalding's dead already? Nope. Spalding wakes up. It was all a dream. And of course, he is laying next to a very unattractive husky woman who is oh, very insatiable appetite when it comes to sex. And I love it how he says, you know, um, wow, you know, didn't you get enough ass banging last night? My dick's still uh, sore from last night. <laughs> Of course, he then goes. Um, you see him go to go to the bathroom, and you think to yourself that he's pissing, but then all, then it transitions him to pouring up a cup of coffee. And of course, there's a commercial that he's actually um, gone and paid good money for. And as he's as he's watching this commercial, it then switches to the Devil's Rejects, where you've got a, a news report coming up saying that 
you know, the media have dubbed these guys the devil's rejects and they've gone to the house and they've found body parts and things like that. And, so, you know, Captain Spaulding's absolutely pissed off and, and quite rightly so. You've spent enough money on a national campaign to, to promote your business. Hey, maybe, you know, it'd be a good idea to play it all the way through. But, of course, news overtakes everything. So, of course, the phone rings and uh, Captain Spaulding gets up and we find that it's Baby on the other end saying that what's happened and they need to meet at, at a certain motel where they're supposed to meet in case of an emergency. And we see that Baby gets in the car with Otis and drives away while Spaulding leaves his house and drives to the motel. Where is it? Just calm down, it'll be on in a minute. Ah! <gasps> ah there it is! Over there! Yeah. You look so sexy. Well, howdy, Captain Spaulding again. Yes, I'm here to tell you about a brand new attraction. Mary the Monkey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. This here little honey is half real human. You half monkey. I brought all the way from the wilds of Borneo. <laughs> Y'all so come in. Make sure you bring little Johnny and Susie with you. She'll scare the holy guacamole out of them. <laughs> and remember, while you're down here, pick up your Captain Spaulding yeah. for President. Yes, yes, yes. All shapes. Now, what the fuck? What the fuck is this? I paid good money for this goddamn commercial. Sheriff, Sheriff, news update. What is the situation here now? Situation? Yes, what's the situation? Uh, no, what? God damn it. Wait. Yeah, what? Daddy. You gotta get out of there. What? The pigs hit us this morning real bad. You gotta get out of there. Oh, shut the go. fuck up. They're gonna be coming for you, too. All right, all right. Just calm down, baby. Calm down now. Uh, I'll meet you at the Kiki Palms Motel, just like we always planned. Yeah, okay. And I'll be there as soon as I possibly can, all right? All right, just go now. If you're out there listening to this, I got a message for you. I'm coming to get you. You can't run forever. You're gonna have to stop somewhere sometime, and when you do, I'm gonna be there to put the wrath of the Lord up your ass. Poopy, don't go. God damn it, stop calling me poopy. Poopy. Leave me alone, woman! Leave me alone! Poopy, no! So after that scene, we see now that we've transitioned back to the police station where Wydell and several officers are interrogating Mother Firefly about the whereabouts of the other family members. And of course, she absolutely will not rat out her family. And she just basically says the cops just want to have sex with her because, you know, she used to be a prostitute. So, you know, why not? And of course, Wydell shows her notebooks and pictures of her vi of uh, their victims. But she's not really, you know, phased. She's like, oh, yeah, OK, so there's that person dead and that person. And of course, then Motherfly gets to get some pictures from a notebook that she has got with her. Now, I don't even understand how it is that, you know, you're able to grab your own notebook on the way out of being arrested but she shows photographs to Wydell and it turns out to be his dead brother the one that she'd killed and she then just insults you know both of them saying you know hey well, he was so easy to kill he was such a punk this and that so you know Wydell loses it and backhands her across the face and it really doesn't phase her at all but of course then he just run jumps over and grabs her around the throat and says, I'm going to kill your whole fucking family. And of course, Officer Dobson and other officers pull Wydell from her as they leave. And as they do, Mother Firefly loses it 
and start sprouting insults and saying, you know, well, what, yeah, why not? Go and try and kill my whole family. You know, that what the hell? You know, you're not going to do it anyway. There's no chance in hell you're even going to get near my family. And, and quite rightly so, Wydell doesn't know where the hell they're going. I mean, he knows that we've now got, you know, Otis, we've got Baby, we've got Captain Spaulding, but he doesn't know which way they're going, where they're headed to. So he's now really a needle in a haystack sort of situation. The movie then transitions back to a, a, a ranch, which is called Charlie Fr Charlie's Frontier Fun Town, and it's a brothel, and it's run by Charlie Altamont. And he has also got his assistant, Cleavon, which is Michael Berryman. Now, if anyone knows horror, as we all do, Michael Berryman was the main actor in The Hills Have Eyes with, um, I think it was like 1973, 74, that was, um, that was made. And he was also in... Um, Weird science. He was one of the guys. He was the the guy that was um, the the uh, the school teacher that was also part of this gang that was terrorizing um, the two kids in uh, Weird Science. And he came up with a great a great line, and I absolutely loved the line. After he finishes terrorizing the these two young kids, he says, uh, "Look, can we keep this between you uh, between us. I'd hate to lose lose my teaching job." <laughs> So, you know, Michael Berryman, awesome actor, and yeah, he, he's he's very distinctive, but he's he's part of this, this. I mean, he's definitely not, he's not in a murderous, you know, company, but he's definitely, he, he seems to be like the right-hand man of Charlie, but I don't really think that he's overly, Im, you know, imposing, because he's really almost like this this goofy sidekick, you know. And, uh, of course, we, we're seeing that Charlie's counting money, and he's he's really trying to understand why is it that he is just, he doesn't have a lot of money? Why, with all the hours that the girls are all putting in at this brothel, why is it that, that he doesn't have a huge shit ton of cash? And it comes, you know, to be the fact that Candy, which is one of the girls that was there, she says that, you know, most of the guys just want to come in for a, a quick hand job and that's it. And Charlie's like, well, you, you know, you got to hustle the pussy to get, get more money. And she goes, well, I've got some ideas about that. You know, Star Wars and, you know, how, you know, guys want to, you know, always, always want to fuck Princess Leia. Well, why don't we do that? And she figures out a lot of geeks would want to have sex with Princess Leia. And, and Cleavon said, uh, and of course, Cleavon says he definitely would. I'd fuck Princess Leia. And it's like, oh, my God. Cleavon. Of course, Charlie says that he'll keep brainstorming because he says, I don't want a lot of, you know, people running around in, like, you know, in robot costume. And this is when Cleavon goes, uh, they're droids, boss. They're, they're called droids. And he's like, oh, thank you. And of course, the phone rings and Captain Spaulding's on the payphone and saying that, you know, we're heading over there. And of course, Charlie's like, I really don't want you to be coming to to this this place. And he's like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm coming anyway. It doesn't matter what you want. I'm coming. I'm coming with uh, you know, Baby and I'm coming with Otis. So just be ready. Of course, as <laughs> as they're heading towards this whole you know, crescendo of things that's going on, there's Captain Spaulding, and he's driving towards the rendezvous, when, of course, what happens, like every good story, the car breaks down. And when I say car breaks down, it's completely out of fuel. So he pulls up he pulls up into a parking lot, trying to figure out what the hell to do, and, of course, he sees a, a woman with her son getting into a car. Now, the woman just happens to be PJ Souls, which she was in, um, as we know, Halloween and, and Rock and Roll High School and stuff like that. So she's the, one of the characters in this. So this is when we see that, oh, okay, Captain Spaulding goes over to try and discuss the situation with this woman and, and see what she can do to help him out. Mom, a clown. Yeah, yeah, a clown. Uh -huh. Oh, hi. Hi. I'm going to have to be taking your car today. 
you have some top secret clown business that supersedes any plans that you might have for this here vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> What's that about clown business? <laughs> Do I stutter, bitch? Jamie, get in the car. Lock the door. Where the hell are you going? Damn it. Don't you never turn your back on a fucking clown when he's talking to you. Fucking hands off of me! <laughs> matter, kid? Don't you like clowns? Why? Don't we make you laugh? Aren't we fucking funny? You best come up with an answer, because I'm going to come back here and check on you and your mama. If you ain't got a reason why you hate clowns, I'm going to kill your whole fucking family. All right, now get your fucking ass out the car. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Woo. So, of course, as we see, you know, with the fact that now Captain Spaulding is now on the way with a brand new car, Baby and Otis arrives at the uh, Tiki Motel. And, of course, there's, you know, Spaulding hasn't arrived yet, so Otis suddenly calls him a dumb old bitch. And, and of course, this is when he goes, listen, we've got to find a way to just find a room to lay low in for a little bit. And, of course, this is when, I mean, obviously, Baby and Otis are not going to go and pay for a room, so they happen to come across a travelling band called Banjo and Sullivan. <laughs> and uh, so this is when they take them hostage and they put them into room two. That's where they, where they are. And, of course, you know, this whole thing is now they're being led into this room. This, you know, this innocent people are just being left in the room with Otis and with Baby. And of course, Otis decides that well, here's an idea. You know, we're gonna, I'm gonna take the other two guys because we've got, what do we got? We've got uh, Adam Banjo, we've got Wendy Banjo, we've got Roy, Roy Sullivan, and their roadie Jimmy. So, and we also see that uh, his uh, Roy's wife Gloria. Now they were fake. They were making fun of Gloria because she was riding a mechanical bull there the night before, and one of her titties popped out. So <laughs> they're all making fun of her. So this is when Otis decides. Well, I'm going to leave you guys with uh, with Baby, and Otis decides that he's going to go and take Adam and Roy on a bit of a road trip, and it's basically to go and dig up some weapons that he'd actually um, buried out in the desert quite a long time ago. And, of course, this is when Roy says, well, hang on a minute, you're not going to kill us. And he's like, well, uh, you know, it's not like I'm, I didn't say I was going to kill you, but, you know, this is my show and I'm going to do whatever I want. Unfortunately, as they're, as they're walking along and, and he's, you know, talking to, to Roy saying this, Adam decides that he comes across and hits Otis with a wood a couple of times across the head, thinking that he can knock him out. Unfortunately, this is when there was a, a fight that ensues and uh, Roy grabs a hold of the, of the gun. And, of course, this is when Otis jumps on top of Roy and then points the gun at Adam and fires. And, of course, it hits him across the neck and he goes down. And this is when Roy is then beaten almost to death um, on the ground. And, of course, Otis then stands over him and instructs him to do something. Pause. I want you to pray to your God. I want you to pray that he comes and saves you. I want lightning to come down and crash upon my fucking head. Jesus. Louder! Ah, bless the bunnies. Bless the little birds. Bless the I don't earth. feel anything. Ah, bless the springtime morning. Oh, 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 oh. I feel it. Oh, great God Almighty, I repent. Feel the love of the God, God, God Almighty. Oh, the Holy Spirit is in my body. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. 
So of course, as we hear, that doesn't really go to plan because it seems that Otis is, and he does, he actually beats the shit out of Roy, killing him with with the uh, block of wood that he's actually got there. And this is when he stands over Adam and this is when he starts to slice up Adam's face with his knife. So we don't really know what's actually happening. I mean, obviously we know that Adam is going gonna, is gonna to be killed, but we don't know in what extent. The movie then transitions back to the motel where Baby's watching a singer on TV and, you know, Gloria's humming along with the music, but Baby tells her to shut the fuck up. And this is when Wendy says, uh, listen, I need to go to the bathroom or I'm going to pee myself. And Baby just says, well, I don't really care if you, you know, pee yourself or not, but if you want to go to the bathroom, you, I want something in return. What are you going to give me? And so she's like, well, what do you want? And she goes, I want you to hit Gloria in the face. And of course, and she goes, now, no love taps. I want her to feel it. So when Wendy lightly slaps Gloria, but Baby goes, no, uh, no, not, no, no, that's not going to happen. So Wendy slaps Gloria harder, but Baby is still not happy. She's like, I want this one to fucking count. I want her to feel it. And this is when Gloria slaps the hardest that she can and all, and basically just, you know, almost gives her a, a bloodied lip and she's like oh that's wonderful very good now come over here so baby gets her wendy to come over and kiss her on the cheek and she says repeat the line that i'm having a really great time and of course wendy goes thanks baby i'm having a really great time and she goes now get the fuck in the bathroom and hurry up so it's like okay so you know but you know what do you do when you go into the you know into an area where you're person that is watching you is not going to be around she decides that she's going to start breaking um the window and trying to frantically look for a way out and of course she smashes the window with a toilet lid and screams for help of course baby gets up and she wants to kill wendy but of course gloria grabs get baby's gun and says you know if you don't if you just you know let her go let us go i won't kill you now we didn't see or she didn't see but baby's got a knife in her hand and it's behind her back and she's like well what why would you do that why are you why are you hurting me i'm not i'm not gonna hurt you it's my brother. He's he's crazy. He's you know he's the one that's going to kill you. You know if you just you know bear with me. If you just you know look you know be nice to me, I'll let you go. Of course, this is when Gloria calls out to Wendy, and of course we don't see it. Uh, you know Gloria doesn't see it, but uh, Baby throws a knife into Gloria's chest after Gloria calls out to Wendy that it's okay, everything's fine. And of course this is when you know the knife has gone straight through her chest, and we can see that she's slowly starting to bleed out. And then of course she pulls the knife out, which is as we've always been told, don't do it if it's better if it stays in there. But of course she pulls it out and. Just blood goes everywhere. Of course, Gloria drops to her knees as she pulls out the knife from her chest. And Baby pulls down her pants and playfully tells her to shoot her in the butt. Go and shoot me in the butt. You know, go ahead. And as she pulls the trigger, as Gloria has still got the handgun, she pulls the trigger and nothing happens. But Baby laughs and says the gun isn't even loaded. And she says, you know, it's all mind games. This, we've got no bullets in these guns. You know, we're out of ammunition, but it's all mind games. You think that it's loaded. So, you know, this is what we've got over you. Of course, Wendy does come out of the bathroom to find Gloria dying, but she pushes Baby out of the way and runs to her side. But unfortunately, as we see, Gloria unfortunately does die. So as this is all happening, she sees her, her chance to make a break for it. So Wendy runs out of the um, motel and she's banging on all the doors and nobody's answering the doors. And it's like, wow, this must be the most, you know, uh, <laughs> quiet motel in the history of anywhere but anyway she decides that fuck it i'm not going to worry about trying to get someone to help me because you know these guys will probably end up by killing them anyway so she runs you know heading towards the road but of course she sees this man coming towards her and unfortunately it turns out to be captain spaulding and baby catches up to wendy and tells her father 
you know, just you know, grab that bitch. And this is when you know Wendy, thinking that this is her savior, she's headbutted in in the face and she's knocked unconscious. Of course, they drag her back to the motel room, gagging on her own blood, and they tie her to the uh, bedpost. Of course, Sporting asks where Otis is, and Baby tells him that Otis went to get their secret stash of guns. So they do have some extra weaponry coming. So they do have some extra ammunition around the place. So you know, this is when Spalding decides that he's going to go and just clean up a bit. But of course, the the door bursts open, and of course you know in comes Otis but he is wearing Adam's face that he's cut off of him so it's like oh my god like this is this is where this movie is like holy crap can this movie get any more hardcore yes it can it's coming so you know this is when um Spalding and Baby both point the guns at Otis and they're discussing you know what were they going to do with Wendy and you know Spalding's like you know fuck it you know don't worry about that let's let Let's leave them to the maid. The maid can clean them up. And this is when, you know, Otis goes, I've got a really, really great idea. And we see that the scene ends with Otis kissing Wendy. And after he's put Adam's face onto Wendy. And of course, then the movie then transitions to the the next morning when the motel maid's wandering around to room two to enters uh, the room to clean it up. And she finds it an absolute mess. Of course, she goes into the bathroom and the words, the devil's rejects and fuck you are written all over the wall with blood. And as she screams, she wakes up Wendy, who's tied to the front door. So she's basically hanging on the back of the door. And, you know, she's trying to get this this you know poor um, woman to help her out. Of course, this is, you know, and anyone would, you know, the maid runs out. Of course, this is when Wendy is running after her, you know, trying to help her. But, of course, the maid happens to run in a different direction. So Wendy's like, fuck it. I'm not going to worry about, you know, you trying to help me. I'm going to go and flag down a car. So she runs into the middle of the road trying to wave down a car. And, of course, she's also wearing her husband's face, of course. So this is not going to end well. And, of course, no one will slow down for her. And at this stage, she turns and a big truck runs Wendy over and she is killed. And when I say killed, she is obliterated. I mean, so much so that her body ends up like, you know, 300 metres down the road. But you know, parts of her body was 100 metres, you know, earlier on in the road. She has just got body parts strewn everywhere. So Sheriff Wydell, you know, arrives at the scene and... The, you know, she's he's asking one of the police officers to grab some body parts and brain matter that's been splattered all over the road. And we also realise that, um, you know, this whole gory mess is caused by the devil's reject. So Sheriff Wydell goes to the the, um, the maid and says, you know, did you see any of these people? And she shakes her head as if, you know, no. And she doesn't really speak a lot of English because she's Mexican. And, of course, he does He does speak a small amount of, of Mexican. So he's, they have a small bit of backwards and forwards. We don't see what she's what they're really saying. But we get an idea that after he shows her the photographs of the Devil's Rejects, it's a, nope, never seen them before in my life. So that's the end of that scene. So we go back to the police station, and, and the police are searching the records as they come to the realisation that the Firefly family are named from characters in a movie of Groucho Marx. And this is a really great tie-in to the movie. So they, Wydell decides that they want to call in a film expert to help with them. But of course, he turns out to be completely useless. But um, I like the little play on what he comes up with. And so we see in this scene that Sheriff Wydell is sitting there. This so-called movie expert comes in to let him know, you know, the aliases of who you're tracking down and at what part of the movie in Groucho Marx's movies do they come into and to play. Well, Cox, nice of you to make it. You enjoying your meal? What? Well, I gotta eat. When my blood sugar gets off, I'm not gonna be any good to anybody. Ain't no good to nobody anyhow. <laughs> Listen here. That movie expert guy's here. You wanna talk to him? You want me to bring him in? All right, all right. I'm getting right now. Uh, 
Mr. Roth, come on in, please. Sharp, my bell, it's a pleasure. I rushed right over as soon as I got your call. You came to the right man. I happen to be a self-proclaimed Marx Brothers expert, if I say so myself. Well, I'm sure your knowledge of bullshit is limitless. Why don't we get to the point? What do you got for me? Well, I got a fucking grocery list for you of all the major Marx Brothers characters and related characters, and I made a secondary list of any and all films having to do with Groucho, including such gems as A Girl in Every Port and Skidoo, where Groucho played the part of God. <laughs> directed by Otto Preminger, who happened to be Jewish, although he played a Nazi commandant in Stalag 17, directed by Billy Wilder. Otto Preminger also directed Exodus, and it's rumored that at the premiere, Mort Saul stood up, yelled at the screen, Otto, let my people go! It's ironic, don't you think? Nazi, State of Israel. They're all here. All the aliases. Rufus Firefly, Otis Driftwood, Captain Spaulding, all of them. Hey, Chief. You know, I'm thinking we ought to track down this Groucho Marx guy. Ask him a few questions. Uh, Maybe he's involved. Idiot. He died last year. He died. <laughs> oh, God damn it. God damn it. See, that right there is one sad, pathetic state of cinematic affairs. If you weren't a cop, I'd wring your neck. Hey, hey, let's take that down a notch. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. This sneering, rotating, gyrating pelvis son of a bitch. He died three days before Groucho stole all the goddamn headlines. That goddamn fucking Elvis Presley. What did you say about the king? I said he died three days before Grouch! Son, you ever say another derogatory word about Elvis Aaron Presley in my presence again, I will kick the living shit out of you! Now you get this Hollywood-loving pussy out of my face! Elvis was in Hollywood! Get the hell out of here! His first film, Love Get Out, was based on an Irish folk song! Fuck Groucho! I love how in this movie, you know, you've also got the, the very dramatic and the horrifying things. We've also got the, the fact that some guy is dissing Elvis Presley and the sheriff has just enough time to basically get really pissed off with the situation and gets him to get the fuck out of his office. So the next scene we see Otis is driving Spalding and Baby in the stolen van of uh, the people that he's actually just killed. And as they're going along, you know, it, it they're heading towards Charlie's brothel. And of course, you know, Otis doesn't, trust charlie at all but as they're driving along baby sees a sign for ice cream and says well you know i'd like you know i'd like to stop and get some ice cream and otis explains that he won't be stopping because those 20 seconds that they're spending getting ice cream could wind up being dangerous to his health and of course this is when spalding and baby go backwards and forwards annoying otis with regards to i'm going to get some ice cream this is bullshit you know, I trust that fucker Charlie about as much as I trust you. Where the hell do you get off talking shit about Charlie? Hey, I know what I know, and I know I don't like that nutsack. Well, unless you got a better suggestion, I suggest you keep your fucking pie holes shut. <laughs> that is the only remotely safe place I know about. Uh, hey man, if anyone's interested, I think I'm gonna be wanting some ice cream in about 10 miles. Hey man, I think I'm gonna be wanting some ice cream in about 10 miles. Don't just fucking imitate me, it's fucking rude. I know what I know, and I know I don't like that. Fuck you. Fuck you. Two fucking seconds for the kid. Is that gonna kill you? Yes, it is gonna kill me. I have calculated the time, and two seconds is the exact amount of time that's a hazard to my fucking health. Come on, don't be such a fucking drag. I'm starving. Hate me this. What is your fucking problem? I'm in and out in two seconds. You know, I think I'm gonna get me some tutti fucking free. Tutti fucking free. That sounds good. 
Judy fucking Freddy. Shut up. Judy fucking Freddy. Judy fucking Freddy. Judy fucking Freddy. Listen, there is no fucking ice cream in your fucking future. So as we're seeing that Otis and Baby and Captain Spaulding are heading towards Charlie's, we then see that uh, Sheriff Wydell is, is... We don't know that he's actually in the middle of having a dream, but we see him at the Firefly house where he goes to the basement and he hears what he thinks is Captain Spaulding's voice. And of course he pulls the gun on him and says, you know, I've been looking for you, clown. And of course it, we now see that it's actually hits his dead brother, George. And Wydell asks George what he's doing there. And George tells him that this is where his home is now because he was killed in the Firefly house. And uh, so he, he basically says to his brother that he doesn't have a choice in the matter and he's stuck there until the fireflies die. So George urges, urges Wydell to step over the line and kill them all for him. And of course, this is when, you know, George screams at Wydell and he wakes up. So now we realize, oh, yeah, it was a dream. So later that night, he goes to see Mother Firefly in a jailhouse. And of course, the guard tells him, you know, he tells the guard, you know, go home, don't worry about it. I'll look after Mother Firefly. Of course, this is when Mother Firefly taunts Wydell, telling him that he just can't resist having sex with her because he, you know, she's got some sort of animal magnetism with regards to men. Men are, are, are drawn to her and that she's just, you know, she's just an, a, a man eater, but she's not broken in, which is really interesting because you're a prostitute. How can you, how can you have been broken in if you're not a, pro, if you, it's just really weird. <laughs> I don't understand that one because if you are a prostitute, you would have been broken in several hundred times. I don't know. I don't know any, any of any prostitutes, so I can't say, but you know, I, it's just, yeah, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Of course, Wydell goes really close to her and they're having the... And you really think that they're going to start having sex with each other. But of course, unfortunately, Wydell's response to Mother Firefly is to stab Mother Firefly twice in the chest and pulls out the knife. And you think that she's in the middle of having some sort of amazing orgasm. But of course, as she pulls out the knife, you see the blood splurting out. So we see that she's now dead. Um, and he just leaves leaves the knife on the table and walks away. So really, you've just killed a, you know a, one of you of a prisoner so let's hope you've got some friends that can really look after you because there's a good chance that you're going to get into a whole lot of problem so of course that evening now we transition back to with, with uh, baby and uh, otis and Spalding, and they arrive at charlie's frontier fun town but of course charlie walks out with a shotgun and we see that he was saying on the phone do not come here i don't want you anywhere near this place you you've got your own heat just get the fuck away from me but of course as they walk in he actually orders them to put their hands in the air so you think oh shit so as they comply otis becomes very pissed off that they came all the way out there just to be held at gunpoint of course this is when charlie goes over to spaulding and shoots spaulding in the face and un and we think that it's oh my god he's going to just get decimated no he charlie's holding a squirt gun and of course they hug each other and catch up with old times and charlie Otis and Spaulding and Baby proceed to party and get drunk while Charlie's prostitutes with the occasional, you know, weed 
uh, it's you know smoking, having a great time. The music is absolutely amazing in this scene. Love this bit of music. And while at the same time, Wido has gone completely berserk with this thing, and he's talking to himself in a mirror, and he vows to kill them all. And he's he's talking. Oh, it's basically he's talking to Captain Spaulding, you know, about you know how the fact that he's going to go and kill them. So of course, now this is I love this part of the movie. So the next morning, Charlie and Cleavon go to leave to get some chickens for dinner because apparently, uh, Cleve, Charlie tells Cleavon that Spalding makes the best the best fried chicken. So they go to get some chickens, and I love this interaction of back to front. Oh, back, back to front. That is doesn't even make sense. Oh my god, I need more coffee. <laughs> Backwards and forwards as to getting these chickens. I I love this bit of dialogue. Oh, yeah. Slaughter, mess. What a monitor. Levi. Yeah, boss. You know why I come here to get these chickens? No, boss. Because my brother makes the best fried chicken in the world. Is that right? Yeah, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, sir. How are you? How y'all doing? Good morning. Good, good, good. What you got for me? Well, we got these uh real cute bar rock chickens here. Yeah, I see. You got them nice, long-legged Roll out a red chicken. Rhode Island Red! Yeah, them Oh, I like them. I want a Rhode Island Red for me. All right? Yeah, Two Rhode of Island them. Red, too? Yeah, yeah. Now, y'all ain't planning on fucking these chickens, are you? What the fuck are you getting at? Do you fuck chickens? <laughs> well, I have thought about fucking some chickens before, huh? If you want to have a good time and you need some pussy, you can cut that chicken's head off, stick your dick in that ass of that chicken, and that damn chicken will go crazy on your ass and go, Are you saying that I would cut off a chicken's head, put my dick in it, fuck it, and go, ah? You accusing me of fucking a chicken, motherfucker? No, I ain't, I ain't calling you chicken fucker, but that boy over there looks sex, sexually frustrated and... I don't approve of chicken fuck. You hear what he called me, boss? I ain't no fucking chicken fuck. Hey, come here, fuck this. Stop yakking and grab the fucking chicken, Cleavon. I'll get the chicken. Yeah, fuck. Appreciate it. Thank y'all. He's a chicken fucker. That's all right. Put it back there. Next time we go someplace else. We ain't never buying chicken from him again, boss. Yeah, I know. You inbred, inbred. So I absolutely love that backwards and forwards. I think that's one of the best parts of the movie um, because it's just the, the the conversation backwards and forwards about fucking chickens is like, oh my God. But of course, they don't get very far because Wydell comes up and blocks the road with his truck. Of course, Charlie gets out of his car and when he walks up to Wydell's truck, Wydell uses his truck to hurt Charlie's fingers. He grabs a hold of the door and of course, this is when Wydell closes the door on Charlie's fingers saying that, you know, I want those assholes there at midnight. Don't let them leave. I want them there because I want to exact some revenge. So I was like, okay. So, you know, Charlie's left in quite a dilemma. Is he going to go and tell his family that this is going to happen? Or is he just going to be really nice and, you know, go along with what Wydell has got in, in you know, his planning? Uh, unfortunately, also, Wydell has gone and got some vigilantes to help him out with tracking these guys down. So... As they do happen to, to get back to the house, they're like, okay, we're going to have to just, just go along, you know, we, we're just not going to mess up this whole thing, you know, we just you know, we just want to keep this very, very hush-hush. So he tells Cleavon, don't say anything, get us, we're going to get into a, a whole lot of trouble, we've got a whole lot of trouble right now. And Wydell basically just wants, you know, to keep them alive long enough 
to feel the same pain as their victims felt. So, you know, I like I like the idea about this. I mean, this is some good revenge sort of situation, but Wydell has completely overstepped the boundary from being a police officer. Now he's been just straight-out vigilante. And I know that he's trying to exact some revenge with regards to his brother, who's been killed by the Firefly family, but I think that he's just gone completely left of centre. So that night, Charlie and Spalding are snorting cocaine while we... Yeah, you know, and we see that Charlie's taken some coke as he leaves to go to the bathroom while sporting puffs away on a joint because I love Cle you know, Charlie's like, you know, I like you, but I like my cocaine more and walks away. So, you know, sporting's like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll just light up a joint. And so Otis is fooling around with Candy, one of the, the prostitutes upstairs, and Baby's taking a sponge bath and talking to the prostitute named Casey, which is Deborah Van Valkenburg. If anyone knows the Warriors, she was uh, Mercy in the Warriors. Of course, Casey goes to the fridge to get herself and Baby some cold beers, but uh, one of the vigilantes, Rondo, sneaks up behind her, covers her mouth, and basically slits her throat. And uh, Billy Ray Snapper, another one of the vigilantes, scratches the record and Otis realises that they've been caught. And, of course, Rondo orders Baby at gunpoint to get up and get out of the bath. And they you know, go downstairs um, to with what's going on with what's going to happen with Captain Spaulding. Of course, as they're being moved downstairs, we see that Candy, who's with Otis, grabs Otis's gun to try and shoot Billy, which is, as I said, one of the vigilantes. But, of course, it doesn't work well because Billy shoots her straight in the head and kills her. Of course, then Otis lunges at Billy, who promptly chucks Otis out the out the window, downstairs. Um, which I think is a really great throw because, like, they're they're wrestling backwards and forwards at the bottom of the stairs, and really they go into the living room. And of course, this is when he gets thrown completely out the window to the other vigilante that's there, which is called the Unholy Two. Of course, Wydell arrives where Spaulding is hiding, and he throws back a shot of liquor before he he basically walks over to Captain Spaulding and. This is when the, the confrontation happens where Wydell has been desperate to actually get to this confrontation. I've been looking for you, clown. <laughs> You're going to start the killing. You best start it right here. Make sure I'm all the way dead. And I will come back and make you my bitch. Of course, as we hear that, it doesn't really go that well with for Captain Spaulding because Captain Spaulding gets shot in the, in the uh, belly. And of course, this is when I don't understand this part of the movie. Now, you've got the three. Uh, you know, you've got a good chance that you can kill all the three of them. So what does Wydell does, do? He actually throws them in the back of the police van in the back of the police truck, and drives them all the way back towards the Firefly house. What, you know, and of course we don't even know what's happened to Tiny yet, so this is coming as well. So the three killers sit tied to the chair in the basement, listening to Wydell talk about how his family has always been demon slayers. I love that part, that he's been part of this whole thing, as far as killing demons throughout existence, you know. And of course, they're talking backwards and forwards, and Wydell staples some pictures to Otis's chest because that's one you know, person that Otis killed. And of course he does the same thing to um to Baby. And he also drives nails into both of um Otis's hands. So I was like, oh, this is getting absolutely uh, yeah, out of control. 
of course, Wydell continues to get shit-faced drunk and, you know, of course, you know, nails uh, Otis's hands to the chair. And, of course, Wydell unties Baby. Now, this is probably the worst thing you can do and tells her to run. He then splashes gasoline all over the floor and lights it on fire, leaving Otis and Spalding to burn to death. Of course, Baby then runs outside through the place where the family kept cows and Wydell grabs an axe and says to Baby, you know, run like a rabbit, and this is this comes back to House of a Thousand Corpses, you know, run, rabbit, run, sort of situation. So as they're running around, he's chasing Baby around the farm, and she hides in a barn, but of course Charlie, who was the one that betrayed the entire three, comes up behind her and says, listen, you know, I'm sorry I didn't mean to do this, but we got to get you the hell out of here. So Charlie proceeds to explain he came to get them out of the situation. And, of course, she says, well, you know, Otis and Spalding are tied up in the house, which is currently in flames. Of course, Charlie puts Baby in his car and says that he'll get the others. As he leaves for the house, Wydell shows up. And, of course, this doesn't work well for Charlie because as Charlie's running towards the house, we've got Wydell hiding behind a tree. And as he goes near um, the tree, this is when Wydell comes out from behind the tree and slams the axe into Charlie's throat and kills him. So it's like, okay. So we think, okay, this is this is coming towards the crescendo of the movie where, you know, these guys are burning to death. There's no way out of the situation. And we've got Baby being chased by Wydell. So this is going to be, this is going to, what's going to happen. Because as they're running along, Wydell fires his gun and hits her in the lower left leg. So she goes down. Of course, Wydell now completely is completely deranged and ready to kill absolutely everything that moves and so he he stands over her and he begins to choke her to death with his bare hands and of course all of a sudden we see a, an, a, a figure appear behind Wydell and who is it it is tiny and he lifts him off the ground wraps his arm around Wydell's neck and in one foul sweep breaks Wydell's neck and kills him so I was like okay so <laughs> that's the way that it was going to go down of course this is when baby does say to to um tiny listen they're in the house it's burning and and he doesn't he emotions that he's going to go and get them so he does he goes in tiny goes in you know pulls the the nails out of otis's hands frees captain spaulding and gets them out and of course as they're going to be uh, leaving you know um otis does and of course they get into charlie's car because obviously charlie doesn't need it anymore he's dead and otis does say you know are you sure you want to do this i said you sure you want to stay and tiny does you know nod and he goes okay well, we'll come back for you uh-huh that's what everyone says so as they're driving away slowly tiny walks back into the burning house which proceeds to blow up with tiny inside so it's really he's going back to where he started from because that's where he was burnt um by his father in um uh the House of a Thousand Corpses. Of course, as dawn breaks, Otis is driving through the desert mountains with Baby and Spalding asleep in the back of the car and all of them thinking about the good times they had together, which is really interesting. You're thinking about all the great times you had with killing people. And as they're driving along, um, all of a sudden you see Otis stop the car and they look down the road and there is a huge police blockade and they've all got their guns drawn ready to go. So this is when Otis wakes Spalding and Baby you know, up out of, the, out of the, their sleep, gives them a gun. And of course, this is when that beautiful song Free Bird starts by Leonard Skinner. And this is when um, Otis then puts his foot on the accelerator and they start driving towards the police blockade. The police just absolutely open fire on these guys. They're, they're, you know, they're shooting Captain Spaulding, they're shooting Baby, they're wounding Otis. And we just keep hearing the gunfire, gunfire, gunfire until the movie then just stops. And then we see the credits rolling over the mountains with the song Freebird still going on in the background. 
And that is the end of the Devil's Rejects. Or so we think. Do we think that they've been killed? Well, this is where number three picks up from. Now, that as, as, I'm con as I've said before, as far as I'm concerned, this is where they should have left it. This is the end of the Firefly family. You've killed them. You've opened fire on all of them. Leave them to be. Just kill them off. That's at the end of the movie. That would be a perfect end to part one and part two. But unfortunately, Rob went a little bit further into part three, and it becomes rather unbelievable after this this point. But look, as far as I'm concerned, zero to five buckets of blood, zero being how do I get the last two hours of my life back to five. It was a perfect movie, and I'd watch it all over again. Man, I'm giving it a five out of five. And I'm sorry to say a lot of people would be sitting there saying, oh, really, like five out of five. How unusual he'd do that. But I'm telling you, this is worth five out of five. If I was watching this movie and I'd finished it, and you walked in and said, what was, what were you watching? And I told you, and you were like, I'd love to watch that movie. I'd be like, okay, let's watch it again. It is that enjoyable the, from the music to the acting to the kills. It is all, there's not one part of the movie that slows down badly enough that you sit there and go, can we get moving, please? It's just that enjoyable. So look, I, I thoroughly enjoyed doing this movie. It is a great movie. It's from 2005. If you've never seen this before, please do, you, do yourself a favor. Order it, stream it, buy it, whatever you want to do, but get it because it is a great movie to have to add to your collection and you will not um, be disappointed with The Devil's Rejects. I think it is a great sequel to um, House of a Thousand Corpses, but it's a standalone movie. It's one of those movies that you don't necessarily have to see House of a Thousand Corpses to know about this movie um, because it really is a standalone. But look, you know, part one, part two, House of a Thousand, The Devil's Rejects, it's all good. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. I really did. So before we finish up this podcast, we have to do Paul's Fun Facts. usual there is a huge amount of um, trivia with regards to this movie and I'm not going to say I'm not going to tell you all of it because there are just so many to go through but I just wanted to touch on a few things so this movie was released on July the 22nd 2005 it does run for 109 minutes and not once in that 109 minutes do you sit there and go can we get moving on no it's it's from start to finish it's a great ride and it's very very well paced now the movie the budget for this movie was $7 million, but it made $20.9 at the box office. I can only imagine what it actually made on home video sales. But it really shows you that it, it made its money back and then some. And I think that's also to do with the fact that it's got great cast and the music is just absolutely incredible. Um, throughout this entire movie so as they always say you know um, I love the fact if you got friends in low places well this time it's in higher places because Sherry Moon Zombie's brother has a cameo as a police officer in the opening shootout of the scene um, he was originally only on set as a visitor but director Rob Zombie put him in the scene because he knew how to handle a firearm very very well now at around 46 minutes Otis's line I am the devil and I'm here to do the devil's work is a slightly altered version of a quote spoken by Manson family member Charles Tex Watson during the infamous Tate murders. I had no idea about that one. This is where I, I love to read the trivia because you get some really great nuggets with regards to any movie. And I think that's a very, very, that's a very, very standout um, sort of line that uh, is, is through 
something that was very infamous in the day. I love some, you know, how some characters, you know, how some actors really get into character because Bill Mosley loved playing Otis. In fact, Mosley went on acting like Otis towards his family. I don't know whether I'd really like that part about it, but he went days without showering. So I think that that may be an indication of, okay, you've taken this character a bit too far. I think we need to put the wig away and you need to go and have a goddamn shower. <laughs> Just a couple more fun facts before we finish this uh, episode of the Horror Crypt podcast. So the Vans, uh, the Blue Vans plate License plate spells A-K-U, which means evil in Japanese. I think that is awesome. I like that little nugget about that. I think that's that's actually really quite good. Just a couple more, and I do have a reference to Australia, so this is actually quite a good, good reference. So the first one that I'm going to do just before the end of this podcast is the Family Media Guide claims the word fuck and its variations are used 224 times. However, other sources list the count at 560 um, and there, there was a there was a record holder. The previous record holder was Nil by Mouth in 1997, which had a count of 470 expletives of the word fucks. <laughs> it's interesting how someone would actually sit there and actually count them all up. Now the shootout the shootout at the beginning of the film is very reminiscent of Australian bush ranger Ned Kelly and his gang's last stand at Glen Rowan. And this is actual a, a fact. You can actually look this up on Historical Fact of Australia. The armor and the scene's presentation are very similar to other film representations of Ned Kelly's tragic final defense. So all the armor that you see them getting into, the the, the armor plating on the face, the arms, the legs, the chest, it's all done the way that Ned Kelly did it because he was trying to obviously create bulletproof vests and that's how he, he came up with it in the in Australian folklore of bushrangers. So that's I love that fact that they've actually just given a little bit of a, a nod to Australia. Anyway, thank you very much once again for coming to visit me at the Horror Grip Podcast. I love the fact that you guys keep coming back week after week, and I'm hoping that you're enjoying the movies that I'm doing. I've got a lot of great movies coming up, so please stay with me. And remember, you can like and subscribe on all listening platforms. Remember, you can also shoot me an email at horrorcrypt2022 at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Horrorcrypt Podcast. And you can join the Horrorcrypt Cafe and uh, we can get into a conversation there. And look, if you've got any suggestions of movies, this is something that I'd really like to put out to the, the listening audience. If you've got a suggestion of a movie that you'd like me to review or that you think I'd like, please email email me at horrorcrypt2022 at gmail.com because I've, you know, I mean, I, I select movies that I think I'd like and that I do enjoy doing, but there are movies that I'm sure that I've never seen that I'd really like your input from. So, you know what, if you've got a movie that you think I'd really like to, to watch, um, please email me and I would I would very much like to watch them. So look, before I get going, as I said, once again, thank you very much for coming to visit me. Thank you for coming to visit me every single week. I've, I thoroughly enjoy doing this podcast. And until we meet again next week, I will say, like I always say, I'll creep you later. Last year, I was insane for this crazy little eighth grade bitch. 